When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After four days of SEC chatter, time for some Pac-12 love. The league holding its media day today in Las Vegas, site of the Pac-12 championship game. Welcome into College Football Live. Matt Schick, along with my good friends, at least for the next 59 minutes or so, National Recruiting Director, College Football Analyst Tom Luganville, and College Football Analyst Rod Gilmore. This is a, this is a season in the Pac-12 full of intrigue and uncertainty as we look at some of the storylines heading into this college football season UCLA and USC entering their final season as members of the league before taking off for the Big Ten of the nine national titles won by the Pac-12 in the poll era eight of them involved either USC or UCLA three Pac-12 programs made coaching changes this offseason headlined by Deion Sanders at Colorado coach prime overhauled the Buffs roster he looks to shake things up quickly in Boulder after a one-win season. As for the players, it's the year of the QB in the Pac-12. Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Cam Rising, all NFL prospects. Williams won the Heisman, but it was Rising who captured the conference crown. Here's the league commissioner, George Klyovkov, on the state of the league. It's not a concern. Our schools are committed to each other and to the Pac-12. We'll get our meteorites deal done. We'll announce the deal. I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will, will come to an end for this cycle. And then the truth is we've got bigger fish to fry. You know, there are incredible opportunities and also challenges in front of college athletics. And I need to be able to work with all of my colleagues in division one and particularly in the A5 and we'll do that. And we'll move past, you know, kind of all the bitter squabbling of the last year and, and we'll work together to make college athletics better. What a year transition it is, guys. Rod, let's start with you. We know USC, UCLA, a year from now, are going to be at Big Ten media days. How would you assess right. the state and the future of the Pac-12 right now? There has been so much drama for so long off the, off the field. We just don't know. I mean, there's money involved here, and that makes all the difference. Uh, we could see it be as simple as Colorado being the first domino to fall if they aren't happy with the media deal. And what would happen if Colorado leaves? That's anybody's guess. That could be the beginning of just complete chaos. But one thing we do know, and I know, and I really strongly believe, is that college football is better when the Pac-12 is intact and involved. There's nothing better than having fans countrywide interested in college football. And, and let me add this. I think it's in the best interest of the Big Ten and the SEC that the Pac-12 survives because if they continue to grow and the Pac-12 falls apart, I think that just brings on more litigation. Any Power Five conference that falls apart isn't going to go quietly in the night, Tom. I think they wind up suing and we continue having this litigation. So for all, we're better off with the Pac-12 surviving. 
Well, not only that, Rod, we need West Coast football, right? We need Power 5 West Coast football, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10. They need it. We don't want to have a void out on the West Coast where you've had such staunch history and tradition of championships, and it's been such a competitively balanced league. I think the question that everybody has in relationship to the Pac-12 is, what type of TV, linear or nonlinear, are we talking about? Is this going to be something that anybody is going to be happy with? How is it that George Klyovkov is able to somehow resonate and just lay a whopper on everybody that makes everybody react and go, whoa, all right, we didn't see this coming. Is that even possible? Because right now it's about relevancy, it's about branding, and Rod, you and I have talked about this so often. It's about being able to play some games that start to air in the Central and East time zone so that the Pac-12 is seen on a national basis. That media rights deal is something that has been hanging over this league for a while now. Uh, presidents, athletic directors, coaches waiting for something to transpire. George Klyovkov addressed it today. We're not announcing a media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on football. You just said you're not announcing a deal today on purpose because you want the attention to be on football. Yep. To be clear, that would imply that the deal is done and codified and just you're waiting until after today. I think you're reading too much into that. So then what is the purpose behind not announcing something, which is what you just said? What, we want to have the focus on football today. We have an incredibly good football story to tell, and we want that to be the focus today. Plenty of ambiguity in that Q&A from George <laughs> Klyovkov. Rod, what's your level of concern here with this media deal that the commissioner says is, is looming? It's close. Look, you can't get around it. Everyone affiliated with the Pac-12 is nervous, coaches in particular. I mean, when I talk to guys, I hear the same thing, and Tom just mentioned it. There is a concern about exposure. And if you fall off linear TV and the main uh, outlets – you have to be concerned about what that does in recruiting, uh, what it does for your brand, and brand is everything now. So that is a huge, huge thing, and it's why Colorado and Arizona State and Arizona are waiting and looking very closely as to what kind of a deal this is because it's not just about money. It's also about exposure, and if the exposure uh, relegates them to the desert, I, I think that's a real problem for trying to keep the Pac-12 together. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, there's been talk about Colorado and, you know, them waiting to see, you know, if this is a television rights deal that they feel um, is good enough for them, if you will. But I think more so people should be pointing to what's happened with San Diego State. I mean, what does it say if San Diego State with SC and UCLA leaving the conference and San Diego State sits back and says, eh, I think we're going to kind of wait this thing out. I think that was a real telltale sign as well in terms of the uncertainty. And, and it's interesting. In recruiting, prospects do not like instability and uncertainty. Well, right now, that's kind of where the Pac-12 kind of sits in all of this. And it's a shame because you have such a good brand and a competitiveness week in and week out in that conference that it's taking away from that. Let's welcome in uh, college football playoff reporter and college football insider and reporter extraordinaire Heather Dinich, who joins us from Las Vegas site of Pac-12 Media Days. Uh, Heather, how would you describe the vibe today at Media Days? Well, 
The vibe is a lot of questions about the uncertainty that you guys have been talking about. And I wanted to make a couple of points to respond to what my colleagues are saying. I want to let you know that a Pac-12 source has told me recently that it, the deal expects to be a combination of both linear and streaming. If it were all streaming, nobody would be happy. But that's not the case. Second, I'm also told that this is a deal that should be on par when it is revealed with the Big 12 and the ACC. So those are important bits of information. George Klyovkov said today that it's important to the presidents and chancellors that this is a deal done right more so than expeditiously. I spoke to him a little bit today about where that confidence is coming from because we all know people say one thing in the meetings and turn around and say another. Here's the commissioner. Well, it's a combination of knowing where our media rights are going to land and being very confident about that and understanding the commitment that all of our schools have had for 12 months to each other, despite all the news articles about people leaving our conference. And I would say, you know, the, the most speculation has obviously been about around Colorado. And I would just direct people to the interview in the Denver Post earlier this week that Chancellor DiStefano did. And guys, one of the other things that the commissioner said today, which I think is important, is that one of the reasons he hasn't publicly defended the conference, this is the first time that he has spoken this year about this, I should say that, but he said his bigger concern about the image was this impact on recruiting, and somebody else mentioned that as well, and he said, in fact, it's never been better. So instead of publicly engaging in a he said, he said type debate, he said that he's not concerned about what this demise of the conference type narrative that's gone out there, because he said, I know the truth. Look, and, and I get it, right? Whether you're the executive director of a, of a CFP, whether you're a commissioner, you're president, you're paid for the messaging. You're paid to give a positive front to what's going on. Everything's good as a flight attendant, even if things are really rocky on the plane, right? So I get where he's coming from, Heather. But I, I want to know about expansion, right? Contraction. We mentioned Colorado, Arizona. What's, what's the latest there and what's his concern there? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, he's not concerned. And I should also add that when we talk about Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan took the stage and reiterated his school's commitment to the conference as well. And the bottom line is this. You mentioned it. Colorado's the biggest flight risk, right? But there's a series of events here. It's the presidents and chancellors need to see the money. If Colorado chooses to bolt because they don't have the patience to wait for that, that's obviously their decision. But as Klyovkov mentioned, their chancellor, at least as of this week, told the Denver Post that they're sticking together. They got to see the money, though. The other part of that is signing the grant of rights. Klyovkov reiterated today what we had reported last week, which was that they've already negotiated the grant of rights and the revenue distribution. So at least on the surface, that shows a commitment of the 10 remaining schools without USC and UCLA. When they see the money, do they sign the grant of rights? That's when you know who's in, who's out. And then the next step after that 
is filling in. Does the Pac-12 want to add teams? Does anybody leave the Pac-12? But until they right. see that money, I think that's when you wait for the, the decisions. And maybe that's one of the reasons San Diego State said, uh, we're going to stay where we are. We, we, don't, we don't really know what's out there, right? So we'll see if the Pac-12 presidents and schools get something concrete soon. Thank you, Heather Dinich, live from Las Vegas. Uh, ACC Media Days is next week. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips says he never condoned or tolerated inappropriate conduct against athletes as Northwestern's athletics director in the wake of that school's hazing scandal. He was the AD from 08 to 2021 and has been named as a defendant for two of the lawsuits along with other university leaders in their oversight roles. In a statement released Thursday, Phillips said, this has been a difficult time for the Northwestern University community, a place that my entire family called home. Over my 30-year career in intercollegiate athletics, my highest priority has always been the health and safety of all student athletes. Hazing is completely unacceptable anywhere, and my heart goes out to anyone who carries the burden of having been mistreated. Any allegation that I ever condoned or tolerated inappropriate conduct against student athletes is absolutely false. I will vigorously defend myself against any suggestion to the contrary. Coming up, Pac-12 Media Day rolls on. He's the quarterback for the Buffs. He also happens to be the son of Coach Prime. What's it like to handle the pressure of both? Shadur Sanders joins us later on. Sanders hoping to elevate the program the way Caleb Williams has done for USC. Will the reigning Heisman Trophy winner take home another one? What's next? Williams has been absolutely brilliant. There's not a more dangerous quarterback. And he's got it! Heisman! Here comes Caleb Williams. The human joystick some play by Caleb Williams. Featuring USC taking part in its final Pac-12 media day and there are plenty of storylines involving the runner-up to the league crown last season. They're going to look to to win one final. Look at all the fun they're having today with Caleb Williams. They're trying to win the Pac-12 one final time while also making a run at the college football playoff. The Trojans have never made the playoff and haven't won the league since 2017. They're going to look to replicate that high-powered offense from a year ago as well. They produced their highest offensive efficiency rating in a season since 2005. That, of course, led by reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams. To reach the CFP, Lincoln Riley's going to need to shore up that defense in year two. The Trojans led by at least 14 points in all three of their losses last season, and two of those defeats came by a single point. Here are the coach and the quarterback. We feel like we... We learned a lot in year one about uh, about what we are. Uh, we took some tremendous steps, uh, but also had some very obvious holes to fill and some improvements to be made. And, and we feel like we've ag aggressively addressed um, a lot of those areas. Does it motivate us anymore if it wasn't our last year in the Pac-12? No, but is there also a, a sense of this is your last chance to, to play some of these teams, to go into some of these venues? Absolutely. Like you feel that and uh, we want to make sure and put our best foot forward. Um, there's no pressure added or anything like that, but it's it is huge just for the simple fact of you no know, USC is as like you said, they've been 
I would say, dominant in this in this league. And and so to go out with a bang and go out on top is is important because whether we don't or whether we do, um, it's going to be history. Um, and so you know, let's make history and let's make it. You know, the good part about it is is us going on top. Williams became the seventh player in FBS history to record 40 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns in one season. Nearly 5,000 yards of total offense was a new school record, third most in conference history for a single season. First Heisman winner to return to school since Matt Leinart back in 2005. Archie Griffin, only man to win the Heisman multiple times. Guys, that was nearly 50 years ago. Rod, what does Caleb Williams have to do to become the second? First of all, can I just say, he's not going to play in the Big Ten. <laughs> he's gone after this year. <laughs> he would have been the first pick in the draft had he come out this past year. He is by far the best quarterback in college football. But why do we do this? No one ever repeats with the Heisman, not since Archie Griffin, as you mentioned. Look, it would take something remarkable. He would have to beat his numbers from last season, and USC would have to get to the playoff. And I... I, I think that's really unlikely because last year they put so much on him. I think they'll be better this year and they'll take some things off his plate. He threw it 500 times last season. He was the third leading rusher. I think they're going to back off a little bit. And because they back off a little bit, his numbers may not be as good. He'll be as efficient. He'll be as exciting. But the numbers will hold him back, I think, from being able to repeat Lugs. Rod, I think he is a flat-out magician. And if you haven't had a chance to see him in yeah. person, you need to put it on the list. I mean, he is he is that good. I don't think you can overstate it. And I honestly believe watching them last year, seeing them, particularly on the defensive side, knowing they were plus 22 in turnover margin, which is a statistical anomaly, that does not happen. Without him on the team, they're 6-6. Six and six. That's how good he is. And so, you know, the, the next level is – how do you get the help in the other areas so that he doesn't, as you put it, have to carry the whole load on his shoulders again? You mentioned just how good they were offensively. Uh, it's like the, the, the antithesis of that was on the other side of the ball. I mean, look at these, look at these oh. numbers. Best in scoring, tops in yeah. scoring yards, quarterback play in the Pac-12. They rank top five of the nation. Each of those categories, different story, bottom of the league by the measures on – the same side, the opposite side of the ball, and then the same metrics. You mentioned Luke's plus 22 in turnover margin. They got the turnovers. They just couldn't get the stops. How do they, how do they change this and fix this under Alex Grinch this year? Well, assuming that's not going to happen again, even if they were to cut that number in half, every coach in America, if you told them you were going to be plus 10, plus 11, they'd say, sign me up right now. I think it starts with tackling and limiting explosive plays. That's the problem. You see the yards per play there. You talk to any coaching staff in America, they talk about explosive plays on offense, limiting explosive plays on defense. But that top number right there on that graphic, the turnover differential, that, and, and not all turnovers are created equal. Some are takeaways and some are gimmies, right? And they had a lot of gimmies, particularly the Oregon State game, which they probably should have won. And so they've got to stop giving up the big play over the top. And they've got to be able to get off the field on third down. And that includes an awful lot of tackling in space. In that conference, tough to do. Yeah, Lugs, the numbers are too big to count. And listen, you see the same thing I do when I put on the film. That defensive front is not a front 
like at Georgia or Alabama or LSU. They have trouble on first right. down. They got to clean up first down. If they get better on first down, they have a chance. But they've been awful on first down. This is a team that was in the bottom statistically about first down. Look at that, seven yards per play on first down. Only Stanford and Colorado were worse in the Pac-12. Look at the yards per rush. They're almost last. And here's the one that gets me. You know, <laughs> when you have a good front, you can play straight up on first down. But when you don't, you can't be that passive. You have to bring some pressure. You got to be more aggressive. Utah uh, blitzes on first down almost 40% of the time, and it works for them. But when you blitz only 10% <clears throat> of the time, you're saying that your front seven can handle those guys up front, and they can't. So they've got to be more aggressive on first down, create second and long, and give themselves a chance to get off the field on third down, as you talked about. You mentioned uh, trying to be a little bit more like uh, Georgia. Well, maybe getting a recruit or a transfer from Georgia. Bear Alexander there on the defensive front yeah, might be able helps. to help. They have some key transfers here this season. All right, let's do a Caesar Sportsbook over-under win totals here. 10.0. Over-under 10 wins here, Rod Gilmore. Starting with you, what are you taking? I have um, – it's a push for me. I have them at 10 okay. wins, and it's because the schedule, the way it lays out. In October, they are back-to-back -back with Notre Dame and Utah. I'm assuming they split that. If they split that, then November is a real challenge. They can only afford to lose one there. They are home against Washington. They go to Oregon. Can you imagine the signs, the goodbye signs? They'll see in Alton, <laughs> and then they finish with UCLA. So that last three-week stretch, I have them as a push with 10 wins, and that might be good enough, Lugs, to be in the Pac-12 championship game. Rod, I was ragging on our boy Greg McElroy yesterday for not walking out on the limb and calling a push in one of our over-unders of the SEC. And here I am today watching you, and I'm going to do it too. I think it's a push. I Thank think it's you. 10 for the exact same reasons you stated. The exact same reasons. Yep. Pre appreciate it, guys. You guys are doing great auditions for first take. Really, really taking that stance uh, there. Really well done. By the way, they haven't won a postseason game in seven years. We'll see if that changes here. Uh, coming up, by the way, you can't talk USC without talking their travel partner, UCLA. UCLA won nine games last year. At one point, it was in the top ten after a 6-0 start. The Dorian Thompson-Robinson era is over. Enter five-star freshman Dante Moore, who could take the reins here at quarterback. Uh, over under eight and a half wins for the men from Westwood, Rod. Let me ask you this question first. If UCLA and USC haven't had a lot of success in the Pac-12, is the Pac-12 better off without them? Just, oh, just no. amusing. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, uh, I've got oh. an over for UCLA. Over the eight and a half. Um, I think they will struggle on the road with a new quarterback, seven new players on defense. And remember, all the grief they're going to get in these stadiums when they travel for their last season. I think they lose on the road to Utah. I think Oregon State beats them. And then they finish with USC. So, Lubes, I, I got them at 9-3, and three, and that's over the 8.5. I'm actually going to go with Yonder at 8-4 and four because of the youth at quarterback. Now, I think Dante Moore is a sensational talent, but I also know the reality is They've lost a lot of production offensively, both in the run game and under center. And I don't know if you just wave a magic wand with a true freshman and poof, everything works out. To your point, some difficult road environments. If that kid grows up fast, 
I could see the over, but I'm going to assume there's going to be some potholes in the road. So I'm going to say eight and four and go with the under. Uh, remember so the name negative. Carson Steele. <laughs> he is. He, that's the way he is. <laughs> Cup half empty all the time, Rod. Remember you the just kicked you at USC and UCLA out of the league. That's right. It's like we're better off without him. <laughs> Don't be so negative, Luke. <laughs> Carson Steele transferred from Ball State more than 1,500 yards a season ago. He's stepping in there as Zach Charbonnet is off to the NFL. We are off to break here on College Football Live. And, oh, yeah, the two-time defending champs. Can the Utah Utes three-peat in the Pac-12? A lot of that has to do with the health of their QB. After back-to-back Pac-12 championships and trips to the Rose Bowl, the Utes look to three-peat as conference champs and make the college football playoff for the first time. The Pac-12 has yet to see a three-peat champion since they expanded to 12 teams in 2011. 14 starters return for the Utes. With health questions surround quarterback Cam Rising, who suffered a torn ACL in the Rose Bowl. Head coach Kyle Whittingham said he expects Rising to be ready to go for the opener against Florida. Speaking of the head coach, Whittingham entering his 19th season with the Utes. He's by far the longest tenured head coach in the Pac-12, second longest tenured head coach at the same school in the FBS. Here's the strongest man in the college football universe. Nobody's ever three-peated in the in the Pac-12, so that's one that's one thing right there that that we can uh, accomplish that uh, has not been done. Uh, still have not made it to the college football playoffs. That's something else that we're we're uh, looking at. And so there's a lot of things uh, that we have yet to accomplish uh, at Utah, and are excited about uh, getting another opportunity this year to to try to uh, raise the bar even higher. Luke's, what does Utah have to do to three-peat? Cam Rising's got to stay healthy. And it wasn't just the ACL and the Rose Bowl. Had Utah a couple of times last fall. He was dinged up. He had a shoulder issue. He was just trying to gut his way through the season. I think he's one of the most undervalued players in all of college football, both as an athlete and as a passer. He exudes grit, moxie, whatever adjective you want to use. He's unbelievably respected. This is the one team in this league that is built from the inside out. You start at quarterback, your offensive front, your defensive front, and then you work outward from there. And that's why they're the closest thing to the league, having a team that could not only make the playoff, but win a playoff game because of how they're structured. If Cam Rising stays healthy, Utah, I think, is going to be rolling. You know, Lugs, uh, 30 minutes into the show, and we finally get to Utah, the two-time <laughs> defending champ. Could we be more disrespectful to that program? I mean, Geez, listen, this, this team is back, and, and they can make a run at it again this year. Uh, this is, according to Willingham, or Whittingham, uh, his most talented offensive line. This is rising sixth year, and you're absolutely right. An ACL injury, that's difficult, and this is going to be less than a year he's trying to get back out there. But they got a lot of players back. That defense is growing up. Nine of them are back on defense. And to me, the key is whether two guys become stars. Jaquindon Jackson, former quarterback, moved over to running back, showed what he could do last year. Best athlete on the team, had 105 yards rushing against USC. And then Devon Vele, their wide receiver, six foot five, has shown flashes of being a breakout player. He needs to be that breakout player. If those two players become stars this year, this is a Utah team that you mentioned make, make they, they have the ability to measure up in the playoff. 
I think you're right. If they can get there, if they get off to a better start than they have the last couple of seasons. You mentioned the C block disrespect, and no doubt about it. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines here <laughs> in this Pac-12. But did you see the Pac-12 media poll this week or today? Rod and Luke's. I mean, Utah. Yeah, back-to-back conference champs, and they're sitting there at number yeah. three. Number three in terms of, of picks there. They in the love league. it in USC Salt Lake City. One, Just Washington keep bringing two, it on. They love it. Yeah. Look at that preseason yeah, it, it, poll. It's awful. Look at it. Yeah. yeah Just the way Kyle. But wants you know, it. this works for Utah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Washington checks in at number two. And speaking of the Huskies, they saw success on the offensive side of the football in Kalen DeBoer's first season as head coach. The Huskies scored nearly 40 points a game last season, seventh most in the FBS, while averaging more than 500 yards a game. That ranks second in the FBS. Like an age wine, quarterback Michael Penix Jr. back for his sixth season of college football, coming off the most productive year of his career. 31 touchdown passes, second in the FBS in passing yards, more than 4,600 yards the most among Power 5 quarterbacks. Washington has that outside shot to not only win the Pac-12, make it to the playoff. Washington was the last Pac-12 team to make the playoff in 2016 and last won the conference in 2018. Here's the man that hopes to take him there. We had that big season, so, you know, it, it's almost like it, it'll be a target on our backs. You know, a lot of teams will want to make sure that they prepare at a high level to make sure that, that they can uh, stop, try to stop us, you know. But, you know, we just got to make sure that we continue to execute and, you know, make sure that we, we stay in, within our walls, you know, not worried about the outside noise or any distractions that could possibly, you know, uh, move us off of our course. So we just got to make sure we go out there and just have fun and, you know, continue to execute. We know what it takes to win, and we, we just got to go out there and do it at the end of the day. What a special player he is, and it's so great to see him perform so well after those injury, that injury-riddled campaign and, and career that he had there in Indiana. All right, guys, they won 11 games last season. They beat Texas in the bowl game. Regular season over-under win total. Rod, let's start with you, nine and a half. Yeah, listen, nobody throws a better deep ball than Michael Penix Jr. You'll see a lot of that. I have them over nine. If they beat Oregon to get the 6-0, and this team could do a lot of damage. Luke? Yeah, Rod, they, gotta, they have to play on the road at some tough places. And I think that with this quarterback, I'm going with the over as well. I think they will be a minimum 10-win team. Uh, and you know what? When you can explore it, Will, like they can, you can win one-possession games. The Huskies, one of two Pac-12 teams to ever make the college football playoff. The other was Oregon, which made it back in the first iteration of the CFP. They haven't won the conference since they went back-to-back in 2019 and 2020. The Ducks were on their way to that Pac-12 title game last year before a regular season-ending loss to Oregon State. In its first season as head coach, Dan Lanning went 10-3, and got Oregon ranked as high as number six in the college football playoff rankings. It was the first time a first-year Oregon coach won double-digit games since Mark Helfrich went 11-2 in 2013. Bo Nix back for his final season of eligibility, looking for sustained success. Last year, he threw for 29 touchdowns, completing 72% of his passes. Both were the highest marks of his career. He's got even higher goals this year. Personally, I want to be consistent like I was last year. I want to go out and, um, you know, continue to show, um, you know, how I can 
play from the pocket and make throws, but at the same time extend plays and go out there and just do whatever I have to do to make the offense run. I feel like as the quarterback, that's my job. And, uh, you know, ultimately to move the ball down the field and uh, put my teammates, put my team in the, in the best situation possible to, to win games. And then, you know, collectively as a team, our goal is to win a championship. Uh, regardless of, of what kind, we feel like championships will lead to other opportunities uh, for each of us um, as a team collectively and as individuals. Only eight players since the year 2000 have passed for 29 touchdowns and rushed for 14 touchdowns in the same season. Bo Nix, one of those, did that last season. Over under nine and a half wins for the Ducks, Rod. You know, there's this theme here of returning quarterbacks and a lot of offense and teams going over nine wins. I've got Oregon going over nine wins also, primarily because of Bo Nix. Had Bo Nix been healthy last season at the end, that team beats Oregon State. That team probably gets to the Pac-12 championship. You know, no player has changed the narrative about himself as much as Bo Nix. He was good, a good Bo, bad Bo at Auburn. He was just great at Oregon. And for him, this is a special year. He gets his adopted brother, Tez Johnson, who comes over from Troy to play with him this season. This may be the most talented roster in the Pac-12. So the thing that's held them back has been, Luke's the fact that they have blown leads late in games. They yep. blew it against Oregon State last year. They had Washington down. They let that get away from them. It's mental toughness and silly mistakes late in games. If they clean that up, this is a 10 or 11 win team. I agree. I'm taking the over as well. And to your point on Bo Nix, who would have imagined two years ago that Bo Nix would be a 72% completion guy? After seeing him at Auburn, he was a yo-yo player, up and down, up and down. <laughs> and he had such physical tools that it was frustrating. So to see him get that together, and I think he's exactly right. It's about consistency of performance. That's what he needs to do as a senior. If he just takes care of that part of it, they're going to be so much better, I think, around him that they have an opportunity, like we just said with Washington, to be really, really explosive. One of the best things about that schedule, too, no Georgia in week one. Uh, that was a 49-3 shellacking there in week one. And still we're in playoff conversation in November. That's right. Portland State week one instead of the dogs. Coming up next, Bo Nix, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, if not the country. It is the year of the quarterback in the Pac-12. Who are the best? How deep is the list? Plus, one of the new quarterbacks in the league, Shadur Sanders and Colorado. We'll preview the buff straight ahead. Media days, so many storylines in Las Vegas. USC, UCLA trying to leave with a parting gift that contains that trophy. They have a team that could win the ultimate prize. They have a handful of players that could win the nation's highest individual honor. We know Caleb Williams, of course. He's the favorite, according to Caesars Sportsbook, plus 550 to win his second straight Heisman. That means bet 100, win 550, Luke. Going into next season, three of the top nine Heisman odds belong to Pac-12 quarterbacks. I'm sure you already knew that. Tom Luganbill, along with Rod Gilmore. I'm Matt Schick here on College Football Live. All right, let's rank these quarterbacks. Rod Gilmore, who are your top three? Oh, well, my top three, pretty straightforward. I mean, Caleb Williams is the best in the country, 
and Michael Penix Jr. throws the prettiest deep ball and has really big numbers. And I've got Bo Nix at three. I mean, he's turned himself into a high NFL draft pick by the way he played last season. So those are my top three. But there's a there are a lot more quarterbacks that can get into that mix of the top five. Shadur Sanders, to me, is a top five guy. Uh, but Bo Nix is the guy. I mean, the athleticism has always been there. What's changed with him has been the decision-making. He knows when to check it down. He knows when to take off and run. No longer does he play hero ball and make mistakes and throw the ball into the wrong area. He's a much smarter quarterback, and it has just opened up his game tremendously. Luke's? Yeah, I got Caleb Williams, number one, Michael Penix, number two, and I actually went with Cam Rising, and I agree with Rod from a Bo Nix perspective. Bo Nix has better physical attributes and better physical tools than Cam Rising does, but there's just something about the intangible traits, the competitive temperament, the toughness, decision-making, which has been consistent for a long period of time. I think that uh, he's got a chance to be really, really good and surprised if he stays healthy. Yeah, and don't forget, Jaden Delora. At Arizona, you got Sam Jackson, the transfer yeah. from TCU at Cal. He can pass and yeah. run. He can scoot. He's pretty quick. And, and Rod, how do we forget DJ Uyunglele? We, we don't know if he's definitely going to be the starting quarterback, but once upon a time, Rod, he was, he was a Heisman favorite. Yeah, you know, Oregon State is lucky to have him. Oregon State was average quarterback play away from being a 10 or 11-win team last season. And DJ Uyunglele can take over that spot and can really give them something. When you talk about the depth of quarterback in this league and you add him to the mix, you add Cameron Ward of Washington State, this is as deep as I've seen it in the, in the Pac-12. You, you can go back to 1988 is the last time I think they had this many quarterbacks with this much talent who are all likely to play in the NFL. Wow, that's quite a statement. You going um, Rodney well, Pete? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you think about 1988. <laughs> That was Troy Aikman's class, yeah. right? And Rodney Pete was drafted. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, Tim yeah. Rosenbach was uh, the, the, the leader. Uh, Eric Wilhelm, remember him? Uh, they had oh, a yeah. whole lot of players and quarterback spot, and they haven't quite seen anything like that since that, that much depth anyway. Well, it feels like it's been since 1988 since Colorado had a very good season. As a Colorado alum, I can say that. Colorado Buffaloes, rough year last year. 1-11 record, tied for the worst in the FBS. Haven't been to a bowl game since 2004. Changes were needed. So Colorado took it the biggest swing of the offseason, bringing in Deion Sanders. Only 11 of the 30 head coaches in program history have had a winning record in their first season. Keep in mind, Dion went 23-3 in his last two seasons at Jackson State. Colorado's brought in a good amount of talent. Unprecedented amount of roster turnover, though. The most players entering the transfer portal this last cycle of any team since the portal's inception. They replenished it with some big names like Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders, who joins us now. Be with us and be with the media at Pac-12 Media Day. Let's start with the most important thing. How, how is your father doing at this point? Real good. Yeah, I just good. I just got off the phone with him, and he's just excited that, uh, you know, we're out here. We're doing a media day, and he wished he could be here, but he can't right now. How would you describe what it's been like the last seven months, Shador? It's been a lot mentally, uh, moving out to Colorado, uh, knowing what he's going through, just himself, and just building a team and just building a program and just everything, just having the guys mess together. It's been a lot. 
And it's been a lot on, uh, I'll say myself mentally and a lot of players, but we're just here just pulling together. Shador, I'm curious to get your take so far. I know you haven't taken the field to play uh, an actual game yet, but what's the adjustment like been for you, whether it's been off-season training, um, caliber of competition, caliber of talent around you? How do you think that's going to be and unfold as you uh, get set to play your first game this fall? Well, I'll definitely say the details improved in the preparation with everything. Like going out there with a real uh, purpose every day in practice and knowing, okay, uh, just details with the ball placement and everything like that. So I'll say overall in lifting and running, like this the most I done ever did. So it's just like I, I'm over preparing for this season, making sure our team's ready. And yeah, we'll be ready this fall. Hey, Shadur, Rod Gilmore here. Good to talk to you. Uh, question for you. This is a quarterback rich conference and the conference has a history of great quarterbacks. Uh, what does that mean to you or what pressure do you feel when you look out there and you see there's a reigning Heisman Trophy winner coming back to the conference and then a bunch of other quarterbacks returning? Uh, how do you get into that you know, yeah. elite level of the top five, six quarterbacks? Well, I'm a Sanders. You know, I don't feel pressure. That's the thing. It's in my blood. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get nervous. I don't get none of that. Uh, especially when you prepare, you got the coaches and you got the staff and the players around you. Like, it's no real pressure. You just fighting yourself and your own thoughts, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't really, I don't fear no names or no nothing like that. Shador, with all these new players on the roster, including yourself, it is really hard for people outside the program, like myself, even being an alum, to to even take a guess as to how good this team is going to be. You are inside the walls. You see it on a daily basis. Walk us through the reasons for optimism for Colorado this year, even given their schedule. Well, I mean, that's that's for y'all to see in the fall. We went. I don't, I don't want to sell y'all tickets right now. Uh, in the summer, now nah, I want y'all to just show up week one, you know, and then you'll be able to see. Shador, as the son of a generational talent like your father was. Uh, things came to him. He worked hard and some things came very naturally. I wonder with that last name and being this quarterback at this power five program, how do you handle the outside expectation? Well, I handle it by each and every year. It's the same thing. Uh, no matter the location, I just understand, you know, it's just a couple bigger, faster guys that I'm out here playing this uh, in this conference, I'll say. But other than that, the pressure been on my life since I was born. Each and every year, the camera's been there, the spotlight been there. Y'all just able to see it now. So that's the biggest thing right now is, is just finally time for the world to see. Shador, thanks for being with us here on College Football Live, and, and best of luck to you here as we get through uh, and start the season. Thank you. Most of appreciate it. That is Shadur Sanders, uh, certainly with a lot of confidence. And when you fall from the Deion Sanders tree, uh, guys, there's no question where that comes from as we look forward to this upcoming season. Matt Schick, Rod Gilmore, and Tom Luganbill. All right, mention that schedule. We looked at it. The over-under, Caesar Sportsbook, three and a half, Rod. What say you? Yeah, this is the hardest one, you know, because of what he said. He's a Sanders. And this team is going to be exciting between Sanders and Travis Hunter. Exciting to watch. But I'm going under.
because I haven't seen them play. I'm going under because I think there are possible five winnable games for them with Colorado State, Arizona State, Stanford, Arizona, and Washington State. And I'm giving them sort of a split on that with three wins. But could they find a fourth? Maybe. But I'm going under right now, Lutz. I'm going under as well. Um, I think this is a massive overhaul that you're not just going to wave a magic wand and, and poof, you're going to have an eight-win team in year one, particularly up front on both sides of the ball. I'm not so sure people understand just how bad this roster was, but I'm not convinced it's significantly better, even with all of the guys going out the door and the influx of the transfer portal. A lot of group of five guys coming over, some FCS guys coming over. So I, I still think it's under, and this is going to be the most fascinating experiment maybe in the history of college football to watch unfold over the next two to three years. How dare both of you? How dare both of you? Accept it, Matt. Well, well, well. An Not interested party, a little biased. <laughs> That's How okay. the turntables. <laughs> Got this brand new hat from Boulder on the family vacation. I'm still going to wear it this year. Thank you guys for your you rock of optimism. You got a rocket. Thank you. Thank you for the optimism. Up next, while Colorado may not be a playoff caliber team, there's no shortage of them in this league. How many are there, and can any of them win the national championship? That answer next. This is the College Football Playoff National Championship trophy presented by Dr. Pepper, a trophy no Pac-12 team has held. In fact, they've missed the last six CFPs. They qualified for it twice. They've one win to show for it back in the first iteration when Oregon was a runner-up after hanging 59 on Florida State in the semifinal. Washington made the playoff in 2016, but fell to Alabama in the semifinal 24-7. Matt Schick, Rod Gilmore, and Tom Lugamil here on College Football Live. Lugs, just how many college football playoff caliber teams are there in the Pac-12? I think there's four. But I don't know if there's one outside of maybe Utah that could actually win a playoff game just because of how the teams are structured, where their strengths are. Obviously, it's a quarterback-driven league, so that gives you a tremendous opportunity uh, to always have a chance to win your conference. With the Pac-12, the league is so competitively balanced that you become concerned because you could lose to anybody and beat anybody on any given week. So I think the top four would be Utah, SC, Washington, and Oregon have a legitimate shot. Yeah, Lukes, those are the those are the right four. Those are the right four. Uh, those are the four that have a chance to be special. But you're absolutely right. The parity, we could have four teams with 10 wins, but also with two losses. Um, these teams have right. four of the best players in the country at the most important spot at quarterback. When you talk about Caleb Williams, Cam Rising, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr., and, and they can get things done. But I don't like the matchup if they get into the playoff and face an SEC team, whether that's LSU or Georgia or Alabama. It's the same issue. They don't measure up up front. That's a problem. I like the matchup better if they get in Ohio State or Michigan. So uh, I think those mm -hmm. are the two problems. You know, they're going to beat each other up. They may wind up with two losses. And if they get to the playoff, the matchup with the SEC is not good. And they better hope that they're sitting at a three seed. Maybe they get a, Michi a Michigan or, or an Ohio State and they got a better shot. Otherwise, you know, it's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, Washington, Oregon, yeah. USC, and Utah all play each other in a five-week span. How, how do you get through this season with fewer than yeah. two losses? That's the issue here in the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about an expanded 12-team 
playoff as this league is getting in and maybe two maybe even three. How about these two guys the next UFC event exclusively on ESPN plus and comes from O2 Arena in London prelims begin Saturday at noon Eastern 9 a.m. Pacific. Welcome into College Football Live. Welcome back. I should say less than a minute to go. Matt Schick, Rod Gilmore, and Tom Luganville. Pac-12 Media Day slowly coming to an end, and so is the tenure of USC and UCLA, Rod Gilmore, in the Pac-12. What happens if one of them wins it? You know, first of all, if I had any guts, <laughs> I'd pick Oregon State to win the yes. conference because I think that highly of them. But, you know, um, there are going to be a lot of ticked-off people if USC or UCLA <laughs> win this conference, everybody will be unhappy with loops, except for folks in L.A. Here's what they do, Matt. They take it with a U-Haul and head to Madison, Wisconsin with their winter gear in November. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Talking season almost over. 36 days to kick. 